So I was just part of this movement anatomy mastery uh, presentation, basically. And this presentation, um, they wanted me to speak as a movement practitioner to say, like, how do you guys view three-dimensional movement as this anatomy movement kind of continuum? And I was like, well, that's a really interesting way to think about that because the way we view anatomy is certainly not the way that I learned anatomy. And then I thought about you, you're in a course, literally in a college anatomy course. And I thought it'd be a great conversation for us to dive into about how a three-dimensional or a movement specialist, which we both are, view anatomy, use anatomy applicably in our, in our really kind of in our day-to-day jobs. And then kind of talk about maybe the disconnect that I think we obviously feel there is between what the book says, what the course says, even what the teacher professor says, and then what we actually use it for. So, uh, quick little uh, intro again. My name is Michael Hughes, founder and movement specialist of Gymnazo with Mitch, and also a movement specialist, and uh, both gift fellows in a sense. And I think we have some strong opinions about what anatomy is um, applicably used for in the movement practitioners' lives. So, welcome to it. Welcome to the Gymnazo Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, this is exciting because it had when you presented this topic to me, it made me really think of um, how I first started to learn anatomy, like what the journey started off as and where it ended at. Hmm. Because I had to not just think about anatomy at the university level. I had to go back to NASM when I had my first certification. Oh, that's your first certification is NASM. NASM. NASM, okay. yeah, because... Uh, you know, when you're looking to be a personal trainer, you're just looking at, you know, the most popular certifications, the most, yeah. really just the most marketed certifications. Yeah. A Google search in a sense. In a sense, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you go into it blind and you don't know what makes one better than the other, um, other than just popularity, I suppose, and mm-hmm. feedback. But, yeah. you know, I don't know, this is maybe somewhere between seven and ten years ago I took that course yeah. um, I had to really think back like what did I learn and I don't know if what I have no idea I, I couldn't come up with an answer what I actually mm. took out of that mm-hmm. uh, and then I had to start to think about okay I literally feel like I got nothing out of that I'm not trying to bash it or anything but it's been so long it's just hard to really remember if I could retain anything yeah that's interesting you took a course that was supposed to set you on a direction and you don't really remember what you got out of it just interesting point. Right. I, you know, because um, I don't think, you know, I look at education in a sense of like, 
you're not going to remember everything that you learn in a course or a class or a seminar or a conference. You're never going to remember everything. You can take diligent notes and other things like that, but there's always going to be uh, bullet point takeaways. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Gold nuggets. Yeah. In a sense. And I remember things from high school. I remember things from middle school that I go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, whether it be, I don't know, something small as like how to do a, a, like a math equation. Like I, I took something, a tip that a teacher told me once and I go, oh, cool, that's applicable for the rest of my life. Or mm. I had to look back at this and go, I don't remember a thing. And that wasn't that long ago in terms of, yeah, which. And I think that's more kind of sad than anything else. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably partly, I, I can't 100% say it's that because there's some great resources in it. I'm sure there's great information in it. If I were to look back now, mm -hmm. uh, but I think now looking back at what I value, I'm a little upset I didn't take more out of it. So, no, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So then going into anatomy this semester, which started in August, I believe, and mm -hmm. ends at my final next week, I had to start thinking about, okay, what have I learned out of this anatomy course that I will be able to take down the line? Like, what am I going to do? And I have a general idea of what I want to do down the line, uh, of which most of the things that I've been, that we've been studying, it's cool. It's important. It's more about the body. And I love learning about those body, mm -hmm. the, the body and more. And right, like the whole body, the whole everything, body. not just muscular <clears throat> system, skeletal system, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the, you know, squamous and epithelial tissues. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, like. That stuff's actually pretty cool. That's applicable, I think, in the terms of soft tissue work or other soft tissue things that you may be doing. Um, but then you start going into like the reproductive organs, and you start to go into these all these other aspects about the body. And you're like, it's cool, it's interesting. But then I start to think, how am I going to apply this? Mm. And then I start to come to roadblocks. <laughs> Even when we went over muscular uh, uh, structural anatomy, it was like, okay, this is cool. I mean, this is. This is useful, um, knowing where <laughs> the names of all the bones, where they're located. Even I had to even start to think about how did knowing bone placement help? Where you talk about clavicle and you talk about how do you know when you're anterior lateral, if it's upside down, if you just have it sitting on a table, like how do you know where it's supposed to go into the body and how you're supposed to know? Hmm. So learning about kind of the bony protrusions or the flat surfaces or where it's rounded and understanding how those go into the body or how it's associated in the body with the rest of the system hmm. was cool to understand um, just kind of how things may articulate at a joint better because um, then you understand maybe there's it's not as round of a socket or as round of a bone and there's maybe a little bit of a flat surface on the edge and I think understanding those smaller nuances hmm. as small as it may be uh, I think can pay off down the line because if you're maybe palpating something or you're doing something you're like is that normal and it kind of just goes okay that is normal it's just the normal structure of the femur or the pelvis or of the clavicle totally. if it's not if it's not if it hasn't been broken if it hasn't been repaired in any way and it's just the way it was naturally born or raised grew up i don't know that's the best wording for it but yeah but um, going through that you said something that i think is critical because like if you're if you're getting into movement at a soft tissue level and you feel something, you wonder if that's appropriate or not. should be there, right? I'm just essentially reiterating what you just said. But to have that confidence that you know, like, yeah, that there should be a little notch there. Right. 
or if there there shouldn't be one. Like let's go like the uh, the anterior tip or the shin, right? Right. That's a pretty flat surface, and there's a massive little nodge right. Or not? That's not even a word. But you know, bony. Like, well, that's interesting. At least it brings a question to you. So I like how, and in a good sense, what you're saying to me is like, yeah, the anatomy has super applicable terms, knowing if a bone should be flat, where a knob is, where a foreman is, where a hole, you know, da da da, da all these different crazy words, a hole, a knob, a bump. Um, um, okay, keep on going. Yeah, um, and then I think uh, what was even more powerful is as you're doing this, and all this stuff was familiar to me, but it wasn't like the back of my hand. And I still wouldn't consider it like the back of my hand, like looking at it and go, oh cool, I know everything about it. But, and I'm still trying to get to that level. Um, and that's just, a, I think, a day-to-day -day progression of continuing education. Um, but what I started to think about was when I was in gift and when I'm watching Gary or Dave or another play coach mate mm -hmm. or a facilitator talking about, and I'm gonna use something very generalized, but everybody I think should hopefully gather. It's like, you know, if you think about you're trying to do some soft tissue work and you're trying to get your forearm into a hip mm -hmm. and you're trying to locate the greater trochanter. Mm -hmm. Well, if you know where it is, you immediately can visualize it and you can immediately go into the, the meat of what the, the substance of their topic mm -hmm. and not have to think about, okay, greater trochanter. Okay. That's uh, okay. I know it's in the femur. We got that. Okay. Where is it in the femur? How's it in the femur? And instead, of you just you, you immediately go to it, right? You're you're analyzing where it is before versus analyzing the context of right. what it is for. Yeah, and then you can just go into the substance of mm -hmm. it. So then it's like, cool, now okay, and now and I look at it, and that just allows me to focus more on the next part of what they're talking about. So I thought about that as I go back. And mm -hmm. I go, okay, cool, because I remember going through gift, and then um, you know. As you're aware, and we're all aware, there's a big physical therapy background with them. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that they talk about that they've learned through physical therapy school where I'm sitting there, I'm like, I got no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Can I share a quick story? Yeah. The guy, uh, a good friend of mine, John, who I went through gift with, um, I remember our first gathering, he was, and that's basically for everyone listening, um, uh, it's your first time coming together as, as a class because it's online learning, but you come together three different times. So the first come together point, he's sitting next to me in the stands as you've you know seen and he leans over and whispers in my in my rider he says what's a calcaneus <laughs> i looked over and was like john you've gotten this far you don't know what a calcaneus is like i have a history background man i don't know <laughs> and i was just so i was a i was um impressed that he was still there not knowing what the calcaneal bone is the heel bone is but he was still learning. So to me, it was like, it's just like, instead of like, oh, you're an idiot, get out of here, what are you doing here? It's like, no, no, you're still have this opportunity to learn and to dig, dig in. And now he's actually quite a successful movement therapist. Anyways, sorry. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's a little side, side thing. John, uh, you're a great guy if, <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah, and um, so I think it's like, it's cool from that sense of, um, you know, from the anatomy perspective, just a, a basic anatomy class of, if you can study and learn at least the uh, physical placement of things mm -hmm. in space in your body, then you can just focus more on the movement side of things mm -hmm. and then focus on, I don't know, where maybe muscles and 
the origins of attachments go and then you can start from that position from that point start to learn how those muscles functionally influence mm -hmm. the proximal and distal joints and locally and globally yep from there yep. on yeah the, the layering of that cake in a sense <clears throat> yeah it's super interesting yeah and i think the, the going through anatomy most recently um you know versus college because in college they said just learn what the muscles and the bones are and they really dumbed it down it's kind of sad uh, we, didn't, we weren't tested on the origins and insertions or where they start and where they end. And it was kind of interesting because whatever they test you on in college, at least for the average college person, in my, at least in my mind, that's what you study. And that's it. But what I really learned and appreciated with about anatomy and physical training is that if you at least know where they start and where they go, you can really influence a lot. And probably one of the biggest primary pieces of what traditional anatomy teaches is where they start and where they go. Um, what you said about how they actually function, that's a, yeah. well, that's why I'm excited to get into the meat of it in a second, but is understand. So if you have like a tennis elbow, right? Or a golf elbow. So tennis elbow <clears throat> would essentially be the inside of your elbow hurts when you swing or lift or whatever cases. Golf elbows when the outside of your elbow hurts. Well, if you know that it hurts when they squeeze a sponge to do dishes, Right or grab the dumbbell or whatever, and it hurts on the outside. So you just have an idea of like, okay, what things attach to the lateral part or the outside of the elbow, and where do they go? So you, you can knock down those uh, six different muscles. I think that's pretty cool. Like to me, that's super helpful because even if you don't know soft tissue work as a tra as a trainer, you know you know foam foam rolling work or lacrosse ball work, right? I think that's a, one of probably the biggest positives and takes takeaways of studying anatomy at an in-depth level um so that's kind of like a a pro if i was had this, a, a category of why anatomy is really good for the trainer why anatomy is really poor for the trainer as it's currently taught that's a pro a serious pro yeah. i know that hamstrings start at one point but go to essentially uh just to keep it simple three different points four different points really um uh that's a big deal and that they act uh, Gary said this, Gary Gray said this, they act like horses' reins. Yeah. Well, that's going to the next level, level, right? That's how they act. Hmm, well, how does a horse rein work? Well, I hope you've ridden a horse before, but you know what the case is. So, um, so maybe let's go to that, to go to that next point. Is like, okay, so we understand and appreciate the bony landmarks, how bone is shaped, how, why, like why bones are even circular. That's pretty cool to know. Right. Yeah, that's, well, that's that there's a reason for that, or at least as we think there is. And then where they start and where they go, maybe nerve innervations, certainly a big deal, but probably for much higher level thinking. Um, let's talk about function and what you think about that. Yeah, I think we so do. So like what you were taught, the yeah. bicep does this, eccentrically, concentrically. So what were you taught about that? Um, we didn't even talk about what the muscles do okay so we're so, so we're talking about potentially so we're talking about an anatomy course very general oh, the yeah. whole body yeah we um we talked about because that's all the anatomy courses i've taken too you yeah. talk about everything mm -hmm. except for in a specialized schooling such as an a movement um, or a massage therapy school we talked about actions we didn't talk about stomach and lining and da da da, da. Right. so but as a college student you take general an anatomy, right? Yeah. Until you get to physical therapy school. Mm -hmm. I imagine. I haven't taken physical therapy school, but I know that, you know. 
I've taken musculoskeletal anatomy as a prerequisite for physical therapy school. But most of us don't take that. Last time I checked. Yeah, I'm, I'm still curious on that. It's something that's been a... Like, taking this course now, I go, okay, like... When do they go deeper? Right, at what level? Yeah. Like, like what is that? That's PT, a good question. Is that PT school? Yeah, like, when? why do I have to go to PT school and spend X amount of dollars to learn something like I just can learn in a 10-week course yeah. and then apply directly versus having to go through all these. But that's... Yeah, but even as, the, as, a, as a trainer, you know, there's 345,000 registered personal trainers. We just did a, a little study on that. <laughs> I was going to say that. I know. That's I mean, that's still people. a general number, but, you know, in this nation. And how many of them have musculoskeletal anatomy understanding? Right. That's be, and, you know, because I, I, I did ISSA, International Sports Science Association, and um, that was a tough certification 25 years ago. But I don't remember what they talked about anatomy, though. It's yeah. really interesting. They're kind of saying the same thing as you. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the roots of the tree, at least how I look at it. Or mm-hmm. maybe the trunk of the tree, at the very least. Um, <clears throat> but it's not the branches or the leaves, because that's an exercise. You know, that's a, a, a clock count. That's a tool to use. You know, those are the, those are the ex- external pieces. So from what you, so you didn't even cover what the actions were. Yeah, I mean, it was literally, it was, um, now I should, I should say this, it, this semester has been online, so I don't know if the instructor did dumb it down a little bit. Interesting. So. Fair enough. Got so it. I do want to, I do want to just lay that out right there. Like, mm-hmm. I do want to give him credit because I don't know if he had adjusted things for the class mm-hmm. to accommodate it for online and kind of thinned it out a little bit. True. And it's. Professor by professor case. Yeah. Class by class base. Although I do think I have the lead department. We <laughs> <laughs> won't name the school. We won't name the school or yeah. the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so essentially all it was is, and I was even disappointed that we didn't go deeper into the muscles because we just covered like the basic muscles. Like here are the quad muscles. Here are the hamstring. Here are the calf. Like here they are. Here they are. Yeah. And he would just basically provide us with a diagram that had it all pointed out. And then during our test, he would basically just be like, okay, what is this one? What is this one? For a college level course. And he'd be like, what are, like, where does it attach and where does it, where's the origin, where's the attachment? Oh, so they did do that. Not on all of them though. Got it. Just, just the major ones. Just, I don't remember which ones, but various ones. And mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, like. That's important. I think those things are important to know where those are. Um, but then also kind of going back, I think the traditional understanding is important to know, like the table-based understanding of anatomy mm-hmm. and how it functions table-based. Table-based, meaning laying down. Non-functional. Yeah, laying down. I think it's muscle. a key thing to em- emphasize as yeah. we're talking about table-based. Yeah, so, yeah, because we're going to go into table-based functional muscle function and upright right. functional muscle function, which right. are two I mean, it's two different sides of a coin, really. Essentially. And I think it's important, too, because I I always kind of resort back to some soft tissue work or if you're isolating something out. And if someone's going through an excursion on a table where they're literally just flexing their knee Mm -hmm. while they're prone at a table Mm -hmm. and maybe they feel knee pain. Well, if you isolate it out that way, that could tell you it's maybe a limitation in the hamstring or something like that. Because in reality, you should be able to lay on the ground and you should be able to flex your knee and have zero pain in your knee. And if you're just, you would hope, yeah, you would hope, you would hope so. Right, right, right. You would hope so. Um, So I kind of look at it and go, that's important now, because then you at least know like, okay, is it the hamstring? Is 
attachments here mm -hmm. and you're feeling pain there and if i take you through a simple movement are you sensing sensing that too yeah it could tell me something important yeah uh versus where if i take him to upright function mm -hmm. well we lean towards more the hamstring is going to extend the knee right versus flex the knee mm -hmm. and the knee doesn't hurt then it's more to kind of i think uh differentiate through right. more problem solving to go right so just to make this as clear as possible and for the for someone who's maybe never heard of these things before yep. the book says the textbook in anatomy says um, the hamstring when it contracts or shortens it essentially flexes the knee or bends it um, what we're saying in upright function meaning standing up on two feet walking walking lunging. right which is kind of the, the most common exercise a human body does maybe breathing is you know, another exercise but you know by definition um the hamstring actually when it contracts um or concentric movement in a sense it actually extends the knee which is the essentially the opposite of what the book says right yeah. essentially right that's what we're kind of saying it's the opposite of what the book says yeah and if you take table-based muscle functional muscle function and try and apply that to upright uh, gait lunging and apply the same thing, it's not gonna match up as well. No, and the funny thing is I made that exact comment on this um, um, movement mastery or anatomy, ah, I wanna say it correctly, it's a cool name. Um, movement anatomy mastery symposium in a sense. And the comments that came from it were like, really, what? Almost like, almost I disbelieve. It was really fascinating because it was the same fascination that I had when I first was told that. About what you learned in the book is essentially not true for the sake of, of application, right? right? In a sense, for the sake of application of real training, like my job matters. So if I'm trying to train someone's hamstring to flex the knee, and you look at a traditional gym scenario on the hamstring curl machine, you're either laying prone on your stomach and you bring this padded thing to your butt or you're sitting in a chair and your legs are kicked out in front of you like an easy chair and you bring the padded bar to your butt, right? Right. I mean, that's how, it's kind of how the, you know, to make them look better, right? To make essentially, so, but in reality, if you train them to do that, are you, potentially making the hamstrings essentially more prone to injury right because they're not going to most people aren't going to go on a stage and flex their hamstrings in front of a judge because that's essentially what those pieces of equipment are doing they're making them look better they're not making them function better except for in that exact position which kind of goes to this, this whole process right. of why are we learning muscles from what they do laying on a table i think it's uh, someone says it's called dead man anatomy <laughs> yeah it's true right why it's am true. i learning anatomy from a dead person mm -hmm. why should i be learning anatomy from a live person who's sitting up standing up laying right. down what are the cases crawling for crying out loud you know um which begs this question it's like why did nobody even tell us that like you know is there like to me i like to look at like fitness and movement like there's a revolution coming you know like we all got our pitchforks mm -hmm. and our and our torches <laughs> You know, like there's a new way of doing these things. Like, why are we taught this old way? And it's, I don't think it's necessarily why. It's just because that's what we knew. Like, why did we have, you know, why didn't we have computers, you know, personal computers 20, 30 years ago? Well, maybe a little more than that. 
Well, because no one knew any better. You know, so it's that kind of, it's like, it isn't like, oh, we were, we were led the wrong way. No, we're just evolving our technology. Right. In, in, in a sense. And that way, it's like, okay, cool. So who wants to be on, on the cutting edge of thinking? And to be on the cutting edge of thinking, you kind of have to forget about or not put too much stock in what you already currently know. So now you went into this anatomy course knowing function, but had to go back to textbook. The same way like I knew function, I had to go back to my massage therapy course. And I was the one raising my hand a lot, trying not to be that guy. But at the same time, trying to shed some light on like, mm, is there another way to think about that? So I'm curious, did you do that? Or well, it was, it was online. I guess you really couldn't have done that particularly, but yeah, it's um, a great question. I, um, I think it was somewhat challenging because you know, it's anatomy. It's just it's just kind of like it, it just is what it is in a sense. Like it here it is. Right here, you know, we're not talking movement, which has. Many variables, right? To like it. biomechanics is kind of arguable. Yeah, in application to some things, right? Right. Mechanics is mechanics. You study it, there it is. But right, I I get you. Right, it's you kind know. of a hard science. It's, yeah, so it's not like you know, um, like one plus one equals two in that class. Right, it's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, when you talk movement, it's a little different. What I you know, what my gripe really comes into is not necessarily how you and I were taught or how everybody. Has mm -hmm. previously taken it, or I'm about to end it and had, had previously taken it. Um, is I actually feel bad for the students going into it who expect that to be the truth. Interesting. Because so yeah. then they, yeah. they stick with that truth. And if you're 18, I mean, you're pretty an impressionable mind at that mm -hmm. point, and you're going to hold that truth. And if you continue with it and you go to physical therapy school, I mean, you're only cementing that truth more and more. Yeah. So my problem doesn't necessarily come with how it was taught. It comes with the inability to change based mm. on new information. Mm. And that's where my frustration comes from. Because it's like, if you knew something was incorrect the whole time, and you were just lazy and neglected to update your, your syllabus, or do your own continuing education as an instructor of, mm. of physical science, then like, who makes you the authority to teach other people how mm. things are supposed to be correct. Yeah. And that's where my frustration comes from. Cause now I look at it and go like, well, that was right at one point. Kind of. That is at one point in time, how we did know the body. Yeah. And that's how a lot of things were graded, but things have changed now. And it's like, well, why haven't we updated those things? Yeah. You know, it's like these old heads that are in these universities and these professors, like obviously there's a lot of yeah. back backdoor stuff that goes into, um, the challenges and the roadblocks for them, but like, it's got to happen. Like, you can't keep teaching what used to be inform or applicable information. Yeah, or at least as I look at it, it's not necessarily wrong. It's just not the full story. Yeah. Right. So stop. Like, it's like the world is flat. Well, it actually is flat until you go far enough, and then it curves. Right. You know, it's like yeah, the world's flat. It is, but it's also curved too. So, so I'm not seeing that the, there's more to the story because the hamstrings do flex the knee. Mm -hmm. and we're not, you know, not to continue to pull on this point, but it's so easy to visualize. They, they do, but they don't, they, but how often and then what, and what, do, and what is it needed for? Right. Like, it's like, oh, you buy a car <clears throat> Well, you're going to, you're going to tow a massive trailer with your car. Well, how often are you going to do that? 
well, I got, you know, not that often. So why, you know, so it's come this concept like the American and its and, and their truck, if I can get it a little bit more. I know exactly. I need a truck. <laughs> well, if you look at the data, you actually don't put stuff in the back of that truck. Vast majority of people for the vast majority of time. Or even the concept of how often do you drive your car? Well, the data says you actually only drive your car 10% of its life. So why do you need a car? Well, you know, it's like this whole concept, like, well, there's more to the story. Or why do you need it and why do you use it? And the application for its purpose is not exactly what we're being sold for. So bring it back home, in a sense, not to go too much. Because yeah. I'm going to start talking about Tesla here. And that's what I'm for. Is this understand? So what do we do about it, right? Mm-hmm. So what I found very, very interesting and um, a shameless plug here is that, you know, we developed a course called the Multidimensional Movement Coach. And the multidimensional movement coach is not multidirectional, which we believe anatomy should be, but multidimensional because it's thinking about how anatomy works and then how that applies to exercise, but then how personality works and how we apply that to exercise and how systems and references and uh, programming um, is needed and how that applies to exercise. And this whole concept of how that you can understand and dig into um, personal, um, I like to use the word kind of like personal care and people's behavioral unconscious way of doing, not unconscious, that means I'm knocked out, subconscious <laughs> thinking goes into exercise. Anyways, so what we've done, Mitch and I and our team, is to really develop this concept of like how does everything really tie to the center core of what it is? Because it's not just anatomy, it's not just physiology, it's not just behavioral science, it's physics. And it's the systems and business and support structure and even the community of our own coaches that bring up this whole concept. So if anyone you're listening are, are, in, are somewhat excited about what we're talking about or even have some serious questions, check out Multidimensional Movement Coach or go to www.gymnasioedu.com to see what we're talking about. Because we believe that it's essentially the cutting edge science and towards application that the trainer of tomorrow needs to be competitive. And not just with in-person training, but also virtual training. And not just with live training, but also on-demand training. Our job is to give you every single thing that we've learned over the last decade plus, not just me, but our entire coaching staff, to get you to that next level where you start to see the world as round versus as flat, if I could say it so plainly. So again, MDMC is the shortening terms. We have some CEUs that just went went with it. So if you're looking for a continuing education credit as well and to deep dive much deeper, check it out, www.gymnasioedu.com. All right. Are you telling me that you don't believe the earth is flat? I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is. No, I'm just kidding. For a few miles. <laughs> and then it curves. Okay, so okay. muscles and now, so let's go in like, so, that, so every single joint, I'm going to make a pointer. Every single joint, yeah. every single bone, every single muscle should move in multiple planes of motion. Yes. And if I look at an anatomy book, musculoskeletal anatomy, it may give me a few of them. But it certainly doesn't give me all three for every single 836 named muscles. I could be off on that a little bit, right? So we have 206 bones, give or take, 836 named muscles, give or take. And uh, 66 joints, I could be off on that one, but close to that. And every single one of them have to essentially the power of three. 
we weren't taught that because it's pretty complicated if you look about it, right? But it's also super structured because you think about, let's think about the ankle joint particularly. You know, it moves in all three planes of motion. So let's talk about the planes of motion because I was taught this day one of Bachelor's of Science Kinesiology, but we really never talked about it after that. It can move anterior and posterior, forward and backwards. It can move right lateral, left lateral, or right or left side, sideways. And it can move right rotational or left rotational or spin right and spin left. But we were really talking about how it really dorsiflexes and plantar flexes, which mm -hmm. is another fancy term for bending one way or bending the other way, pointing your toe towards somebody or pointing your toe towards you or the sky. And that's what the ankle does. And if you look at like squat assessments and da-da-da. So, so they're studying anatomy, biomechanics, right? And that's what the ankle does. But in reality, it really does two more things. It leans in and leans out. Right, think about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. That's how I think, think about it. And it also corkscrews one way and corkscrews the other way, like a wine corkscrew going into a cork, in a sense. So what does that do to the anatomy that's attached to it? So let's just talk about the gastroc, right, the yeah. gastrocnemius. It really attaches to the Achilles tendon, which attaches to the heel bone, the calcaneus, and attaches to the femur. It actually crosses the knee joint. So femur crosses the knee joint, goes into the calcaneus. It, it crosses two joints, the knee joint and the ankle joint. And then it can, now, so now, if you're listening to this, think about it, of how that works, and if you can really move those things forward and backwards, side to side and rotational, and understand what that does. So when I say that to you, go back to yourself as a NASM only thinker, and then Tell me your, what your thought process is from there all the way to where you are now. Yeah, that actually is a, actually struck me. I, I do remember something from the Nazan book. I remember oh, cool. maybe one page mm -hmm. where they gave you a, a, a body in three different positions with a line going through it telling you what each plane was. Mm -hmm. And I think they basically left it at that. Yeah. And so it was like, so I remember looking at it and going, I don't know. Okay, they didn't place an, an importance on this. Right, they just put it through the whole body. Cool. So I remember going for a long yeah. time being like, and someone would say something to me, and this is at the a previous gym I used to work at. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember someone no, said no. frontal plane or transverse plane or something. I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, which one was the hat? Yeah, because, right, right. Because I never, it was never. Submitted in, in a sense. Yeah, it was yeah. like, cool, here's a couple pages. Yeah, and, coronal plane. What's the difference between coronal plane and transverse plane? Right. Well, they're the same thing. Yeah, right. Just different words. Frontal plane. I think they had chronal plane, chronal plane. That's what they were. Ooh, now we're getting into it. Yeah, right. so yeah, Long no. So I actually remember that. I was like, why is that called chronal? I'm like, we call it chronal, but whatever. Yeah. Small details, same thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I remember doing that. And I remember going like as a trainer thinking like, okay, well, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Most of my training, maybe except for lateral lunges, was all sagittal plane. Mm -hmm. Forward and backwards. Forward and backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the forward and back. back. Traditional bicep curls, squats. Bench press. Bench press. Lunging forward and lunging backwards. Exactly. Sit-ups. And even the lunging forward and the lunging backwards is really just a forward lunge with the traditional way of going about it. Totally. If you, because I, I remember specifically, I think it was uh, during the internship here, where it was like, close your eyes. Did I move forward to get into this position or did I move backwards to get into this position? You don't know when you just close your eyes and open up again and you see someone just standing there in the same position. It's the exact same thing. All right, so what we're talking about is what's the difference between a forward lunge and a back backwards lunge, and I think that we're um, missing a big chunk of, yeah. of a definition in a sense. Yeah, so 
just to clarify, if we considered a forward lunge taking a right or a left leg into a uh, <clears throat> horizontal step forward in the mm-hmm. sagittal plane, and then you load into that leg and then return home. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, this is just a subjective experience from what I've seen in gyms for 10 years, 15 years now, a posterior or a reverse lunge, or backwards lunge, however you want to coin it, is reaching your foot back and then bending the knee to the ground. Right, putting your toe on the ground. Yeah, putting your sorry, yeah. movement foot. Reaching your toe back, right. keeping the heel off, and then dropping that same knee down. Close your eyes, and you see both of those and open it back up again. They look the exact same. Yeah. Where we put the heel down, shift your weight back, and displace the load and the forces into a different, really into the posterior chain. Uh, and into the backward foot. That's where all the weight goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first, essentially... The traditional just emphasizing almost more of an anterior load in a mm-hmm. sense which changes the entire anatomical tension right right muscle contraction in the right. sense right changes everything and if you're trying to actually have a complete wholeness to a program well you're just beating up the same parts mm-hmm. it's some small variances in there right but uh, so i'm already forgot what the original question is but <laughs> going to where it doesn't I, matter <laughs> <laughs> But going to where I am now, it's like learning about the ankle. Like then we never learned the ankle is primarily a sagittal plane motion, just forward and back with transverse and frontal plane influence at the calcaneus and midfoot and forefoot, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And obviously tib and femur as well uh, to go along with the biomechanic chain reaction of it. Mm -hmm. But the foot and ankle, if we learn that, then you can almost learn how to stretch it, how to train it. Right. And then it's like, whoa, that's more powerful than just, I don't know, learning that it flexes. And extends. And extends. Yeah, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion. Like it allows more options. It allows your mind to start to kind of think about all these other possibilities. And mm-hmm. go, well, what about this? Yeah. What about if I put my foot on the edge of a curb and move my hips side to side? Whoa, now I'm stretching those peroneals a little bit more. Uh, if I rotate it, what's that do? Whoa. <laughs> That's a different stretch. I've never felt that before. Yeah. And you walk out and you're like, whoa, I just feel like my legs are flying under me now. Yeah, air. Yeah. I love it. Um, but so, then, yeah, real, real quick, hold on to that because what you yeah. said something is super important. You said basically if you can understand the anatomy of stretching, the anatomy of strengthening, that you therefore have almost an endless tap of opportunity. In a sense. Right, in a sense, right. So you in said, sense, yeah. if I can understand how the ankle moves in all three planes of motion, and then how, therefore, if I understand how the anatomy essentially elongates or eccentrically loads, and, or, um, and then you can understand how it concentrically explodes, right, moves, and you can understand how that, that gastroc can literally move as the heel goes left to right, as the heel goes forward and back, and as the heel rotates. If you can visualize, see that, and therefore, you know how to train that, ga- that gastroc in completeness. Right. In completeness. And then if you take that simple muscle and then understand what, what muscles attach on top of it and what attaches below it, then you understand it even more because you can influence. You said the hips. You said, let's move the hips, but let's change the ankle and how it's positioned. You said on a curb, in a sense. You know, not, not like, a, not like a, a street curb, you know, in a sense, like a little wedge, potentially and then you see you could get a brand new stretch or a whole nother way of moving that you didn't even consider so to me like 
understanding anatomy is super important, but don't get fret, don't, don't get overwhelmed by you have to understand everything. No, just start start with one muscle right. and see where it goes and where it came from and understand how it can move in three different ways. Just like taking um, a belt, in a sense, and grabbing one end and grabbing the other end and move that belt forward and backwards. And then, if you can see my hands, you can't, of course, but uh, then move that belt side to side and then twist that belt left and right and realize that every single muscle can do exactly that. And actually, it does. Let's not argue if it does or doesn't. It does. And then how you therefore have the, the, the tap of opportunity to lengthen mobility in a sense, strengthen stability in a sense. And now from a programming standpoint, options of opportunity, they're not, they're not endless, right? There's an end to them, right? But the number is huge. Yeah. Huge. Right. Versus being stuck. Like, ah, oh, what other exercise do I give? Let me go to YouTube to find it. Or let me look at Instagram. Like, oh, that's a cool move. So you can, you can basically be your own architect because you understand. As I like to think about the trunk and the roots of the tree, not just going on Instagram to look at the leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Does that make sense yeah. I mean, to me? You know, to me, it's like, yeah. So... <clears throat> Take your anatomy, what you've learned, but realize that what the book says is only one of them. Right. And there's two more, at the very least. Yeah. Um, anyways, that makes me super excited to know that there's so much more that we could do. So much more that we can do. And does not get, like to me, I, I get super like, you know, like I said, this pitchfork and like torch thing is, you know, we got to change the system. Uh, I think we just got to open the, open our eyes a little bit more to what is what is there being taught and what more there is to be learned, and that is, I don't know, like it makes me excited to go back to anatomy even more. Like go to like I wonder if there's like a, a physical therapy school saying, hey, you can take our anatomy course <laughs> yeah. online. I don't know. I, there's probably not. You're probably going to bar you from doing that. It might, be like, to, it might be like thirty-five grand. For that one course, yeah, <laughs> it would be pretty close. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So, what else? Is okay. there anything else? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's actually <laughs> this actually started to really get my mind going. Now. So, if we just take the foot and ankle and the calf complex, the foot and ankle complex, yep. all the, the muscles that associate with the foot and ankle and the knee, mm-hmm. and the next biggest part is which um, I think was a, almost a bigger eye opener and almost one of those things where like. Never thought about this, never heard about this, never had anybody really talk about this because I feel like traditionally it's always go to the root of the problem. It's like go to where it hurts, go or to where, where it hurts. they're weak, where right. there's tight, or where there's pain. Yeah, if, you, right? have a, if you have a kid crying at school, you know who the kid's crying at school because he's getting bullied. Hmm. Well, he's always going to the office and crying, and you're trying to help the kid, but you're not getting the root of the problem to hmm. get rid of the bully. Then you get rid of this kid crying in the I office. You. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like we're never trying to find the bully. We're always just trying to go to the root of the problem. We're always trying to fix that issue right there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like... Stop <clears throat> the kid from crying, basically. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's like what I really appreciate about the internship and what we always challenge ourselves here to do, which is always one of those things, too, where it's like <laughs> I'm always trying to think about that quicker way to get to solutions. Yep. Especially, I feel like we have a, a playfully competitive atmosphere here mm-hmm. in a good way um, where I would never have thought about the hip Let's go to the hip to help the ankle. Like you never learn. You may have lost a few people there. Yeah. So how, how the heck would the hip help the ankle? Yeah. So I'm gonna kind of go forward and then come back. So traditionally, you never you thought, okay, cool. The calf probably influences the, the soleus and the, the gastroc. Probably influence that ankle joint a lot more than anything else. Traditionally, let's formal that calf. Let's stretch it. 
oh, it doesn't feel better. Uh, let's do it more. Mm-hmm. Let's keep doing more. You're, okay, don't hike. You should stop. You need to mm-hmm. rest. Um, first, learning more biomechanic chain reaction where you go, okay, well, that calf is still barking at you. It's still getting uh, what I guess traditionally would be quote-unquote tight mm-hmm. muscles in the lower leg. And you go, why is that always happening? Well, let's start figuring it out even more. And let's go to the front hip. Let's go to the anterior core region. Let's go to the quads maybe. Mm-hmm. Let's decompress those areas. Quads, hip flexors. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so let's see if that can help the calf. So backing it up now, the hip's going to help the calf in a sense where um, what we would call a TZ2, a, a, a a body position. A, a body position. Yeah. So if you so take the, the legs behind you, yeah, your right legs behind you in walking. Yeah. In sense. Yep. So we'll take this ex- exact example right there. Right leg behind you as you're walking forward, and you experience calf pain as that right foot pushes off the ground to swing forward in its face. Okay. So now that right foot is, would eventually be the leading leg, and the left would be behind you. Mm-hmm. Well, if you keep getting, I don't know, uh, ankle pain or knee pain or low back pain, whatever it may be, everybody's sure. gonna be subjective and different. Yeah. Um, let's, let, let's, let's say for the sake of the argument, I'm giving people who lost the calf, the calf yeah, hurts. Yeah. Let's say calf hurts mm-hmm. and it hurts every time you your push leg, off. you push off yeah. and you keep rolling the calf. The problem keeps going on. Well, you never got taught. Okay. Well, what's next? What influences that? What anatomy influences? What anatomy yeah. influences that? Yeah. Well, let's think about it. What's higher up. Let's keep following up the leg. Well, if that front hip has an inability to get proper extension, mm-hmm then that calf is going to work harder to push you through gait and motion. So you're saying the calf is not the only thing that pushes you up that hill. Right. Or forward. Right. Of course, right? Yeah. Oh, like, the, yeah, like, you know, but it's the one that's hurting. It, but it's the one that's hurting. But it's always going to hurt as long as you don't take care of that hip. So you're saying that. I shouldn't say always. So you're, so you're saying that I'm saying this, obviously. Yeah. You know, Clarifying. Every single muscle helps that calf push off. Kind of crazy, huh? Every single muscle. Every single muscle. And how many different planes of motion help that? Calf. We got three different planes of motion. So all of them help. We got tri-planar motion. In all three planes. Yeah. And that's where, you know, obviously when you dive into the individual biomechanics of the joints itself, so to in, and you start to have a greater understanding of how the influences happen. Yeah. Now it's obviously layers down the line mm-hmm. of understanding anatomy, but... And you learned this. Yeah. And was it scary? It was, uh... It was, uh... It's, it's, it's... You know, it's like, it was like frustrating, more so that I never had even anybody leading me to uh-huh. find this these solutions or and you learn this uh, online uh, i didn't learn any of this until i started working at gymnasium right <laughs> yeah right but it says but you didn't learn it from a class never learned it from a class are you a book smart person i am not a book smart person at all i never learned it from class but great so it's very achievable to learn this complex movement understanding right of a hip a hip flexor kids could be causing someone's calf tightness right and we're rolling the wrong thing right Okay, so I want to make that totally clear yeah. because I'm pretty excited about this. <laughs> like, it doesn't take a degree to understand this. Right. So even just going back into it, front right hip is tight, and that calf is barking at you. Open up that front right hip, a little form rolling, a little stretching, a little bit of movement, mm-hmm. and then take them back through it and see if it hurts again. You probably just helped decrease their movement pain or dysfunction drastically. Yeah, or their inability to get bigger calves. Right, I mean, we can or go to that point. Or run faster, or right. walk yeah, more exactly. efficiently, yeah. or right. or climb a ladder, whatever it may be. Right. So this could be from physique, yeah, all the way to function. Exactly. 
And then you start to go, you know, even bigger into that and you go, well, maybe that right calf's working harder because that left soleus as it hits the ground has a inability to decelerate the triplanar knee motion. Ooh, that's a big phrase. So basically to eccentrically load, lengthen in all three planes of motion. In all three planes of motion. Okay. So then you start to go into it like, you know, because case studies help with this stuff. Just sitting down and talking it through. Right. Yeah, we don't need studies. We just need people's actual testimonies. Yeah, we just need clients and members. Right. Unless they're lying that their pain People. went went away. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Just give them a little sugar pill, a little uh, <laughs> placebo. We're good to go. It's Tylenol, I swear. Um, so if you start to think about these things, these are never the thought processes that you would ever go through. They don't ever allow it to go through because it's too pass fail oriented with school as first challenging the growth process yeah, of it people. depends would be the opposite of that there's no pass fail well there's no wrong or right it's right. it depends because if you learned if you went through our education process through school everybody would probably fail <laughs> because they're trying to figure out all the well, i shouldn't say that yeah i, but, I understand, understand yeah but there's so many more areas where you can start to go through and analyze and go is that right mm. you might not get it right but you're learning about how that influences, how that specific area that you may be targeting influences your original target spot. Yeah. I was talking to a client just yesterday um, who is one is in law school and the other one is, um, is a lawyer. And it was amazing because she just took her finals for law school, not her final final, not, not the bar. But um, she said she said every single professor's answer to any question that I have about law or case is it depends. And that's I, great. And I smiled so big because that's essentially the same answer every yeah. single trainer should give about any particular um, nutritional movement exercise. It's it depends. There is no this is the answer about movement in a sense. You know, there's better answers, there's worse answers, but it all depends on the individual, which is interesting because it goes and flies in the face of well, here's how to fix someone's rotator cuff. Here's how to fix someone's knee. The answer is yes, that can work, but it doesn't work for everybody. Would you say that's, you know, I'm jumping to a whole new thing in a sense, but like, it's like, yeah, if, if, if you want to figure out how someone needs to train their calves, they're like the men's fitness article is not going to work for everybody. The, if you want to make your biceps bigger, the YouTube video of the, here's what to do never works for everybody. It only works for some people. Right. And it's really hard to hear that saying, just tell me the answer. And the answer is, I'm sorry, I, I can't. Because even though anatomy is relatively consistent, how people move through their anatomy is 100% individualized. Right. Because I don't move the same way that you move. Right. So therefore, I, my results are not going to be your results if you copy my exact same program. They can be similar. Hopefully, because that'd be nice not have to write over and over a new program. But when you feel stuck, which happens on a daily, it should, yeah. in a sense, um, yeah, you have to be able to essentially an analyze, right? Right. And understand what's going on. Because if you can understand what's going on, then you can essentially reverse engineer, I, I like to say. Mm -hmm. you, know, you can figure out how something was built versus just what is built in front of you. And I think that's where we feel super strongly that trainers should have that capability and can have that capability. It's not out of reach. Two different people that uh, I would say um, self self proposed would say, yeah, we're not book smart people. We're not 
I'll be honest with you, I got denied from physical therapy school eight different times, two different years in a row. I pushed really hard for that 3.3 GPA. Pushed really hard. Studied my tail, tail off. Uh, anyways, long story short about that is that like it isn't about memorizing something. It's about problem solving something. And really understand, like you just said, like if you can, if you can really appreciate how every single muscle, every single joint really moves in the sagittal, frontal, and transverse way. Just like the first page of that book, instead of just going through someone's mid-torso, their stomach, and you know, cutting their body from front to left or yeah. front to back, but to take that same cross-diagonal or that same structure and put it on the ankle, put it on in the calf, right. put it on the knee, put it in the hamstring, put it in the... In the in the bicep femoris of the hamstring, not just the hamstring itself, but the individual in that muscle. Individual yeah. muscle. Um, and if you can visualize that, um, then I, th- I I think it opens up a lot of doors, puts a lot of questions in people's minds. Being like, so is that a bad exercise? And your answer would be, it depends. It depends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of says, well, this is the right way. This is the best form for a deadlift. And you'd say, no, that's just probably the most balanced way toes a little bit externally rotated p- posture here posture it's like that measures to be the safest but it's not the one that you maybe use to pick up your couch exactly because your couch is not the shape of a barbell exactly you may have to lift from a corner and go wide feet with toes out right now you're starting to get a little bit more adductors right now if you haven't trained those adductors whoa my knee just tweaked exactly. my foot hit whatever right. it may be right well i've asked too much eccentric and concentric and econcentric loading at some points during during that picking up and moving phase, it hurt. Right, and it's just because, you know? but that's not how I lift in the gym. What do we say? Well, the gym is a limited area. Super, fo- it's like saying the world's flat. Well, it is. You should lift like right. that for this way of lifting, yeah. for this type of movement. You know, physique building and functional, uh, physique training and functional training are literally the same thing. But physique is just a small itty bitty slice of mm-hmm. the pie of function. Right. So don't stop doing doing that, but uh, realize that it's a small piece of the puzzle. And if you want, well, it depends on what kind of trainer you are. Depends what kind of client you are. Depends on what you deem as success. Is having someone. Well, what I like about this is that you know you can train anatomy to really be super super specific. And swing a golf club and make that ball go 400 yards. But can you putt? Right. And, you know, the answer is no. So you can make a, a, a bicep look so amazingly chiseled and awesome. But can it actually can it actually throw something like a bag of soil across? Right. Or play a big game of basketball? Yeah. You know, it's really kind of fascinating just how this, you know, just having our eyes opened to the uh, the versatility, the multidimensionality, to use that term once again, of that is really it's really so much more. It's so much more exciting. I like to say it's not that it's not boring. You know, at least I was bored in my college anatomy class. Yeah. Like, this is all that it, it, it does. We figured it out. Yeah, exactly. And I'd say no. We just we just understand that there is a bone called the femur, and it does attach, you know, with some cartilage in between it to the tib and fib. But is that all it does? Right. Yeah, anyways. So, any, anything else? Yeah, I think, what's, um, I think what's unfortunate about the traditional style of learning in school is the fact that you don't get room to fail, in a sense. Oh, like, interesting. Like, I think the best 
And this is if you have a growth mindset too. So if you're a person that is critical of yourself to a certain degree and you analyze what you do and you come to a wrong solution and you think about it, you know, in school you're not allowed to have a wrong answer and then think about it and then go back later and try something different because you've already gotten your grade and you've already hmm. given hmm. them the wrong answer. Well, movement, like we were, you were talking about earlier, everybody's individual. Everybody's going to have a different influence in their body for an ache or pain or dysfunction. And if we just went with the prototypical, stereotypical exercises or movements or whatever is usually prescribed, then you're probably going to fail a significant amount of the time. And you're always going to think like, well, this is the, if this didn't work, then nothing's going to work. Yeah. It's that, it's, it's the patient's problem. It's the client's problem. Right. Where, which could be the case. Right. But where, where I think it's like MDMC itself and, um, kind of the gift style of training is okay. Hey, we didn't get to the solution right away, but we know we're on the right track based on the fact that we know how the muscles influence that specific area that might be getting affected, which also comes into a greater issue of, is it the muscles? Because right. we never even learned about the fascial system, and I know it's a little no, bit, and I no, know, yeah. not even a bit about that. And I know it's a little bit more besides recent. it is there, right? It's yeah. there. It's just a, a web. It's a net. Yeah. Um, and no, obviously there's uh, what more recently has been studied, and I feel like more recently uh, we've understand its influence on how fascial restrictions are really what restrict muscles. Yeah, it's like the muscles don't even matter. It's just like I, that's not true. It's that's like, not true. Well, yeah. I, I think about yeah. like an empty fishnet. But, or a fishnet full of fish. It's right. like those strings on that net are going to be really taut if you have a whole bunch of fish in there dragging it through the water. Or if it's just an empty net in the water, it's just kind of moving around. Right. I mean, that's what you want. You want a healthy fascial net, and that really helps, or that's really what restricts muscles more. And you don't learn these things. You don't even have these conversations. No, like, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to chalk it up because I want to be a half glass full kind of person. Yeah. We just didn't know. Well, yeah, and I, and I think that's a more recent yeah. one too. Like we didn't know as much, but. You don't see these things introduced. Like if you're an anatomy student, a teacher goes like, hey, here's some new research out there. I'm not going to teach it, but if you want to explore, mm. hey, go do it. Like I feel like they're the people that are supposed to help you in the right direction to explore these options, and they never do. So I like what we do is like we all have our own individual preferences, and we bring them in, and like we all learn from it. And it's like, cool, I would never have thought about doing that. would never have thought about doing the ropes, RMT ropes. Yeah. But – dang, that's been a big influence. And it's like, how do we get those resources to the greater, to the gen pop, right. especially in school? Um, At least have it in your tool belt. Because I look yeah. at it like if I'm going to hire a, uh, a um, contractor and um, he's going to build my house and I'm going to say, hey, I want to put in a fireplace. Sweet, I can do that. Uh, actually, I want to I add on a second bedroom. Can you frame? Yeah, I can do that. I think that's really, really cool that that as a trainer, you can do those things, have access to it in that session. Yeah. That your client, you know, even as, you know, uh, a, a massage therapist or other cases, you know, a physical therapist, even your patient says like, wait, I can, I can do that. Like you're not stuck. You don't have to say those things. You're like, oh, let me, let me try this. Let me try, try this. You're not the like, up. Oh. you're just gonna have to go to someone else now. But that someone else is really, I mean, that's could be a great answer, but you know, the time and energy it takes to go to some, someone else is really, it's like, I look at it as a vertical integration of your skill set. That in one session, you can do soft tissue work. You can do, I would call it a CrossFit type of drill, in a sense, just to keep it simple. You could do yoga types of skills. 
you can do general training and at the same time you can unlock a subconscious movement pattern of theirs that they didn't even know that they had. Yeah. You can do all that right. in one session, in one hour. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Versus saying, ah, oh, we don't do that here. And not because a trainer shouldn't do that, it's just they just don't have the tool belt to do that mm-hmm. in, in a sense. I go, you gotta go to your chiropractor to go do that. We don't do chiropractic here, but we can certainly help move a, a joint that's a little bit gunky just by facilitating that normal pattern by putting our hands yeah. on the shoulder blade and our hand on the humerus and gently moving it. Yeah. Versus bam, a high velocity motion, which takes some precision without a question. And so it's very fascinating how, what, what, a, what the trainer can be versus what the trainer is. And this is ethical, by the way. I'm not talking about anything that's against the law. I'm not talking about anything that's out of the ordinary. Excuse me, it's certainly out of the ordinary, but it's not out of the ethicalness of what a, what a trainer should do. Right. It just goes back to understanding. Do you understand? The, the why and the what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah, why exactly. are you doing it and what are you doing it for? Right, exactly. Versus like, oh, this seems like fun. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I love this stuff. I'll be really curious. I'm taking phys next semester. And I'm actually really curious because um, something I've tried to incorporate a lot more in my practice is just breath work, especially with cools down, cooling mm-hmm. down. That's like one of the biggest trends now in fitness. Do you, do you know that? Right. And I mean, I think yoga, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of yoga. I 100% support and appreciate what it does for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's just a little, I need something moving around a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. But when you think about how people feel when they come out of yoga, they feel awesome they feel great mm-hmm. and i think a large portion of it is the breath work going from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic system and if you think mm-hmm. about general population how stressed especially during times like we are right now totally get it you know you got that the shoulders are shrugging a little bit more maybe you're rounding the shoulders a little bit more maybe you're on at your chair a little bit more now the anterior chain is a little bit more compressed your chest is tighter and your shoulders hurting more well if you're trying to decompress someone and you're trying to just get them and you have 45 minutes and they just go, I just need some restoration. I just need to feel better. Breath work is, I think, is one of the best things that you can do. Go from the sympathetic, take that fight or flight phase and go to the parasympathetic mm-hmm. and decompress them. And if you can, because what I'm trying to say is after fizz, I'm curious on how much they tie it in back to the, the body itself. Because mm-hmm. if you think about trying to decompress or quote unquote loosen a muscle, right. add breath work get to the solution quicker and you start to decompress the rest of the body, ease the mind, right. start to decrease their cortisol levels that are being pumped into their body be, by being in that fight or flight phase. Mm-hmm. And you start to allow them to be a little bit more accepting to the work. Right. And it really comes down to is like anatomy is a great piece, but again, it's almost like it's just a sad, sad plane. There's more <laughs> planes to consider. How many bicep curls can you do in front of a mirror going up and down while just changing your wrist position? When I guess in reality, you actually do to your transfer plan if you do this position. <laughs> a lot of angles there. But yeah, but someone listening could be saying, it's like, gosh, you know, you guys talk about a lot about movement. Well, what about just mindset? Yeah. What about breathing? What yeah. about nutrition? And I would say, yes, 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 yes. All important. All super, super needed. Because, you know, I look at this as you have essentially in one-on-one training, in any sort of restoration type of therapeutics, uh, you have a set time limit that's a standard by our society. Yeah. You know, is one hour essentially is what is the standard, right? You can go 45 minutes, you can go hour 15, but it's really that's the standard of what people expect 
for you to do. There's a lot of practitioners that would do like a four hour, five hour, three day intensive. And that's, I think that's really awesome where you can really make some, some headway, but that's not the standard. That's not what the most people do, at least have access to. So if you can be more efficient with your time and you can start your session, and let's say you're a massage therapist, start breathing. Give me, some, give me this breathing pattern on the table. How much quicker can you unlock that fascial adhesion, not adhesion, but the fascial density? If you're a trainer, how well can you allow them to access their hip range of motion to get that PR on that squat? Yeah. You know, uh, if you're in a group setting, how much can you, in your warm-up, provide a greater oxygen delivery to the tissues? Right. To get more out of it. If you're and if you're warming up for a basketball game, right? This whole thing, it's really fascinating, of what you just said. It's like it's. And we don't have to be a master at it. We really don't. Like, would you call yourself a master biome- biomechanist? This actually comes to a conversation that CJ, so uh, uh-huh. we did our uh, performance reviews yesterday. Mm-hmm. So CJ, for those of you that don't know, is uh, uh, Michael's owner, CJ's um, head of programming. Head of programming. And coach uh, manager. Coach manager. So uh, we, we do performance reviews all the time. And he was asking me where I want to go and I, or this past year has gone. And I was like, dude, I've been more confused than I've ever been in my life. Because <laughs> coming out of gift last year and then um, I'm a person that I, I learn something, I go through it and then I kind of back off a little bit and then I come back into it. Interesting. And then for me, I go, okay, that's right. And it clicks more because it's settled in there. I get to have practical experience applying what I've learned and exploring different things. And then when I go back into it, it clicks a lot stronger. But then we've also have a lot of other um, topics come in this past year, a lot of other conversations. And so I was telling him, I was like, I feel more lost in human movement than I've ever been. Because <laughs> then I started, because what we've been talking about, there's all these different layers. Well, I feel like I've got this freaking recipe for a cake like I should be on like the Food Network channel trying to create like this 10 layer cake that's supposed to be like in a competition. And I'm like, I got all this stuff. I got no idea how to turn the oven on. You know, and like, mm-hmm. but like what I love about it is, you know, the base and you know, all these things and you start to learn how to individually incorporate these modalities for these people with, yeah. and understand this person needs this that I learned six months ago. This person needs this that I learned a year ago. And this person needs both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but then like right now I'm in that phase of how do I apply? How do I incorporate? How do I do all this stuff? And it's like, how does... How do these things that we've learned influence the biomechanics, the muscles and the bones to the rest of the body? And it's like, where do I go? Yeah. But it's also exciting too, because I know like, as I figure this out and figure my own route, it's like, it's gonna be more powerful. Um, and I'll be able to get to uh, helping people a little bit more efficiently. Yes. You know? Yeah. Cause people only have so much budget and they have so much time. Right. And they only have so much patience, you know, and I think that's a really big deal. You know, I look at, if you look at like general produ- production lines from making crayons to making rocket ships, the faster you can make it, the better essentially the entire process is. You can do more, you can have more money, you can have more, more time, you can do et cetera, et cetera. So if we can have a, a, a person that we can essentially get to their result faster, their happiness goes up their life quality goes up, their activities go, you know, it's all these things. And I look at it like from a soft tissue, like you have to put your elbow into that hip for eight minutes before it re- releases. What if you do breath work? 
oh, maybe it takes six, six minutes or four minutes. Right. You just spent 50% less time. You know, so it's, it's this whole concept of doing it. And then what he's also says is like, we don't, we don't know what we don't know. Right. That's like the first thing. And then we start to know, like you're, I think what I really love about this job and it's very complicated about this job is that you st- we just start to understand more things that we don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's frustrating. <laughs> Super frustrating. But I think for someone who's in a growth mindset, they're like, okay, cool. That's exciting at the very least. Or at least I know where my limits are. Mm-hmm. For someone who's in a fixed mindset, it's like, well, that's just the way it is. Right. And that's where my peak is. And man, I'm just never going to stop. So there's no point in continuing on. Yeah. You know, and what it really takes to be in this job because what I feel I'm, we're, we're finding out is that this job is, I'm not going to say it's more complicated or more technical than like a medical doctor or surgeon. Because you know, at that level, you're dealing with life and death in some cases, right. especially like in the ER. But it's very specialized. Right. Both of them. You know, but the complexity is super high. Yeah. And it's since our field is so undefined, like there's a civil engineer. There's a structural engineer. Right? Those are two different verticals that they need to focus on. Mm-hmm. There's a general family practice doctor. There's a brain surgeon, right? It's a different doctor in a sense. So what gets in front of them is really specialized and limited, in this, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. But the complexity of their job is crazy. When I look at a trainer, you have to understand essentially mental therapy, in a sense, you're a therapist. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're, yeah. Yeah, if you don't think your hairdresser and your personal trainer are therapists <laughs> to you, then you got nothing coming. You have to understand biomechanics. You have to understand nutrition. You have to understand exercise and its effects on the body. You have to understand chemistry and physiology. And the coolest thing is not life or death for most people. So it's really, you know, there's a difference. I want to plan that out. But the breadth of it all um, and understand all the different nuances and changes to wearables and technology and what that can do for a client and be up to breath on those things. And then the further you can get uh, soft tissue work and the further you can get into each one of those verticals is really kind of, to me it's exciting because it only allows you to be more efficient, service more people, have more fun, but also be more confused. <laughs> yeah. Because they all don't, you know, they're all emerging sciences. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. But what I find exciting about this whole thing is after GIFT and after the past couple of years, it's, there's all these different things that I was mentioning. Like all these different things are coming into us. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, how do I tie it all together? When do I apply it? When do I use it? Do they already have it? And do they not need that? Do they need something else? But what is where the, I think my confidence comes from is knowing, well, I have a base. Right. I understand into this normal gait, running or walking. Yeah. And with most exercises, you know biomechanically how every joint works. Mm-hmm. You know how functional muscle function works upright and table-based, even though we will argue upright function, muscle function is more applicable than table-based. But sure. understanding both is still important. Yep. And whenever I see these new things, you can, you can start to look through it and go, does that actually make sense? Or is that something that might be dangerous? Yeah, you have a test. Of, you, have, you have something that stick on the wall or not. Right. Yeah. I yeah. go, yeah. body really doesn't move that way. And they're probably maybe getting away with that for now. Mm-hmm. Or long term. I don't know. I'm just trying to think mm-hmm. about something that you see that is revolutionary. Like, you know, in fitness, there's always stuff that comes up. 
So it's like the new way of training, the new this, the new that. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes, oh, that's it. That's it. We got to do it. And it's like, oh, hold on a second. Let's just, let's observe it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's try it out. Does it make sense? Well, if you don't have an understanding of biomechanics or everything that you've literally just laid out, even to a surface level, well, you're not going to be able to differentiate or not whether that's something that is uh, appropriate for one person or another or if it's appropriate at all. Mm. And so I think like being confused I love right now because it's going to help me understand the body more. It's going to cement those things more. Yeah, you're going to be hungry. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And what is exciting about it is you know when to call BS on certain things. I think that's critical. You have the confidence to know. Yeah, because I may well, not at least know it to, right at now. least to at least to to put it into a camp right. or not, right? On a spectrum. Because if I'm looking at a movement and I'm going, oh, there's this trainer in LA who came up with this cool thing. It's like, well, okay, let's look at the ankle and the foot. Let's look what the mm-hmm. hips doing. Yeah. And then how's the knee influenced by it? And then how's the spine moving? Yeah. How are they doing this? Are they only doing that? Are they not incorporating anything else that can help influence what they're doing mm. in a stronger, more positive way? I like that. Yeah. Um, and if they, you know, then you can start to just look at those things and go, okay, well, here's my here's my opinion on it. Or maybe I will incorporate that. Or, you know, I mean, there's a million different routes that you can go with that. I think for someone who would listen to this conversation, if that is the the gold nugget of this entire com- this entire conversation is that you have a scale or a weight or a, a way to find out whether what you're doing is good or not versus always feeling like you're guessing. Right. That I think is the absolute pinnacle of this entire conversation <laughs> is you have something, and I'm gonna go back to what I said originally because it ties in for me, is that you have a root system. Yeah, you have a root system that you can regrow your tree from. Yeah. Someone chops down a limb, I, no big deal. I have something to go back to. To make sure that, that I have, I, you always have this, this again, yeah, this, this truth, right? Right, exactly. The principle. Let me just go back to. Let me just say it plainly. You have a principle-based way of thinking. Right. That it doesn't matter if something way out there doesn't work. All right. I'm just go back to my principle, and it roots you down. I think a lot of trainers really just they feel like they're guessing, a yeah. lot. I think I think you're right on that too, um, and I think in a world too where there's a lot of judgments. I think in the traditional mindset of training, where it's like, oh, that person's doing something weird. That's not mm. right. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. What are you What are you basing your judgment off of? Right. Like, mm-hmm. are you basing it off the fact that you know biomechanics and how the muscles work and how they have a relationship with everybody in the body, mm-hmm. or are you basing that off because you think he looks foolish? Mm, interesting. Well, if he yeah. looks foolish, then I think you look foolish, and you actually, I feel like, have a small mindset because yeah. you're not allowing yourself to be influenced yeah. by something that might be great. Yeah. Cedric and I were just having a quick conversation in, in the office about Woda or Goda. And if you don't have heard those terms, woda or goda, basically it's really good as as the as they say it as right biomechanics for running or wrong biomechanics for coming. It's just simply put, and there is there is only you must only do what the right biomechanics are, but it's mm-hmm. based upon a snapshot of biomechanics versus the full picture of it. Right. And there is no both. There's only one way or the other. And for us, we look at it like there is no one way of doing things. There is no like, oh, this certification is the answer of all. This this guy's methodology, like whack in a sense, he that's the only way to do something. Or you must only do GOTA. You know, you almost do whatever the functional patterns. Like, wait a minute, guys, these are there's brilliance in all that. 
but don't ever get caught up and that is the only way to do it and i have something to add to that too because you know, so if you think about training and sports is a everybody not everybody but sports big influence right and if you think about what you just said well baseball they train rotation for their core because they swing a bat and they throw right big time general population typically doesn't train rotation in the core but if you think about three of the four bands of the core really for rotation right one is more for that traditional crunching right. it's only one of the four muscles of the abs are for forward and back so why is baseball doing something that's great for your core and that's okay to load with rota- weight and rotation mm-hmm. but for everybody else it's not now obviously you don't want to take into the extreme that they're doing it at because right. they're professional athletes who've been training for their whole life in it mm-hmm. and they can handle that extra demand but you give someone a 10 pound weight five pound weight give them a couple rotations side to side that might help their back more than anything, or that might just create a better posture. I don't know. It can create right. a physiological effect that mm-hmm. can be amazing for them. But we've just neglected to add those things because apparently it was just wrong. Right, or it's dangerous. Or dangerous. Or the yeah. lower back shouldn't do that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, know, I guess I've got to wrap this up here, but allowing those different influences and having the base to differentiate and go, well, that's okay. Yeah, at least give, yeah, it's give, okay for this person in this circumstance. Yeah, it gives you the confidence as a coach to go, okay, I know they'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to help. Did I have the confidence to know that it can be fine? Yeah. So you're basically saying there's no such thing as a bad exercise. Just give it to <laughs> the wrong person at the <laughs> wrong time for the wrong reason. Exactly. That's exactly. a bad exercise. Yeah, exactly. But you would never know unless you had that principle foundation. Yeah, I like it. Well, obviously, we got to go back and train now. Yeah. But <laughs> awesome. I love the comment conversation. That's good, Thank man. you very much. Thank you. for coming in. And uh, we'll do it again. Awesome, man. Hey, y'all. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. We launched this in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag gymnasio podcast. That's hashtag gymnasio podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnasioedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnasioedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember, 
that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.